Hi, welcome to Coach Beard's Book Club. I'm Michaela, Coach Beard's assistant. Together with Andrea, Bex and Marita, we'll be diving into the books mentioned or seen in the Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. If you love Ted Lasso, as much as Danny loves giving away joy for free, then join this group of four women, handpicked by Beard himself, and let's go. In my discussion of Johnny Tremaine and its relevance to Ted Lasso, I am thrilled to be joined by Professor Scott Henderson from Fulmer University in Greenville, South Carolina. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. And Andrea, you're joining us today as well, because I think our, our sort of sections are overlapping a bit. I love when that happens. So Scott is the author of Could Johnny Tremaine Be Gay? Reinterpretation as a Subversive Act, published in the Journal of Homosexuality. And frequent listeners of the podcast will know that we have a theory that one of the characters in Ted Lasso is gay. And Scott, I'm right in saying you haven't seen Ted Lasso yet. Correct. Yet. <laughs> and I say yet because we are planning to induct you into the fandom. So I was going to say that we'll try not to give you any spoilers, but I think you kind of know the character that we're alluding to. I do. I so do. we've already spoiled. <laughs> no problem. No problem. In Ted Lasso, if we get what we're expecting, it will be a season three reveal that the character is a gay man, that Colin is a gay man. And it's my opinion that in order to make this reveal as impactful for the show, that there is a lack of LGBT plus representation in the first two seasons. So I think that's an attempt to lure people who would not necessarily engage with LGBT plus storylines to be Trojan horsed into them. What do you feel is more useful to the LGBT plus community? Representation from the get go of a story or a reveal after getting to know the character in other ways? So there are a couple of ways you can approach that question. One is from the producer or writer's side. And if the intended audience is predominantly male, and if the series or the story arc focuses on sports, which this one does, then you're probably going to want to hold off and do a reveal later on. If your target audience is women and or younger viewers of either sex, then you're probably okay to have the character's identity right up revealed right in the beginning. Now, the question asked about the LGBT community, and I would say that probably most, and I'm, I'm throughout the podcast, I am going to speak for the entire global <laughs> LGBTQIA plus community. You know, I'm old enough to remember where you had to look for secret codes and tiny little hints. And, and those days really are over. And I think an LGBTQ viewer, listener, uh, reader would prefer to simply have the character's identity portrayed naturally and as organically and as 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 quickly as the story uh, lends itself to. Now, just one other comment. Of course, all fiction relies on a certain amount of dramatic tension. And it may be that the character, regardless of gender or uh, sexual orientation, um, it, it works to build dramatic tension for the, the viewer not to know everything about a character. That said, 
you know, imagine if we had to wait three years to find out if a character were heterosexual. Anyway, that's, yeah, that's a long answer to an excellent question. Oh, thank you. No, that's that's a really good answer because I hadn't really considered the difference in not only the genre, but the audience watching. Um, and yeah. I think, would you say, Andrea, that a, a lot of the people who we've spoke to who, who suspect Colin to be a gay man have been women, actually? Yes, so, they have been women. And I think it's also like the point about sports is so huge, I think, just because sports is just full of of issues and concerns and <laughs> yeah. I think you know there there were a couple hints with a couple characters like there's this one character Keely she kind of just openly says that she's like attracted to this woman um again a little bit more bisexual than um you know than being a lesbian but like that was the only thing and she's outside of the club so it's like it's you know it's gonna be okay well first of all she's a woman she's a woman so it's be yeah. okay, right and second of all it, you know she's not a athlete and I do think like sports, I mean, I think it's when you look at like the WNBA, you know, it's very prevalent and open and no one cares, you mm-hmm. know? So it's funny, like just to, yeah, like I feel with men's sports, we're still just stuck in this. Yeah. So that really does yeah. align. Um, would you say that, uh, Scott, that revealing a character's homosexuality later in the story panders more to the straight o- audience than it does to the LGBT audience who are looking for that representation? Well, I, and I know this might be related to a, another question regarding gay baiting. And so I might kind of combine the answer here. Yeah. Uh, as I noted earlier, and as Andrea has has rightly pointed out, I mean, we're in an area here of male professional sports where there are still, I mean, it's the last area of professional life where you really can't be out. Um, I know yeah. in doing a little background research for this podcast, I I ran across the fact that when Colin Martin, who's an American uh, professional soccer slash footballer, uh, when he came out in 2018, at that time, which was just five years ago, he was the only male out gay player in any of the five major U.S. sports leagues, which is pretty astounding when wow. you think about it. Yeah. Um, but but getting back to your question, you know, I, I can recall several shows a long time ago, and one of them was an American TV series called Dynasty, in which the the gay baiting was just, I mean, we sat glued to the TV for years trying to determine or find out if Stephen, one of the characters, was um, gay. And uh, unfortunately, that that was a mess. But in terms of today, I really think most LGBTQ viewers, and I know I said this before, really would prefer not to have to wait several years to find out about a character's sexuality or gender expression. Mm -hmm. Unless, and I did not mention this before, if that's part of the character. If the character, he, she, themselves, is uncertain, unclear, confused, or hiding it, then that's a natural part of the story. Otherwise, um, I really don't have any use for, you know, gratuitous gay baiting. Mm. I think that might apply to Ted Lasso, just in the sense that Colin, I think, is discovering his identity at at that time. 
We can't guarantee that because we don't know what Colin's friendships are like outside the masculine football situation. But certainly within it, it seems to be something that he's not ready to address. So that that could fit quite well with the Ted Lasso situation. Do you think that revealing it later in the story is supportive of the activist agenda that Slagle refers to, as in the tricking people into the sort of storyline? Yeah, bait and switch. Uh, a parallel came to mind, which is uh, imagine a story in which during the second or third year of the series, we discover that one of the characters has a learning disability, maybe has really bad dyslexia and has never learned how to read. Would anyone really then claim there's an activist agenda there? And of course, that's a rhetorical question, and but I'll answer it anyway, which is no. Yeah. Uh, I think people who want to see this as an activist agenda have a whole set of other problems with LGBTQ plus individuals, both fictional and real. And so I do not, I see that as a red herring. Yeah, that's great. What do you think, Andrea? Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I, right. Like that idea that just because you put someone, you know, I think it happens also with race. If you put, you know, a, um, color two different races that get together it's some kind of activist agenda mm. some kind of woke you know woke agenda to speak to and it's just kind of like I don't know it doesn't yeah. make any sense it's like um, it's like what you said with learning disability I would also say with physical disability is that yeah. I love shows that have people with physical disabilities where the storyline isn't about their physical disability that you know, it's just the perfect way for me to do to, to engage with that kind of thing. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Even though Colin hasn't had his coming out yet, and there's a large section of the fandom that has related to him um, and the expectation that he will, in your effects, what would a slow burn storytelling style have on a young gay man in a masculine environment? You know, I, I there are two sides to this coin. Probably three, actually, because most coins do have three sides. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're a closeted young gay man, if if you're a, a high school athlete, then a, a slow reveal is going to be less threatening, even though it's a fictional setting. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I, I just cannot emphasize the enormous importance of both real and fictional role models. And I, I think this is often where many of us forget about the power of fiction to cultivate and foster empathy and to change views and attitudes. So in that regard, I'm not sure a slow burn is terribly helpful when in fact, if a character were to come out sooner than later, that's one more contact point Mm -hmm. for an individual who may think he or she is the only person on the planet who feels the way they do. Great, yeah. That's. I think what, what made a lot of sense there was the empathy, um, which is something that Ted Lasso has embraced through talking about mental health and talking about other aspects of accountability. So I really hope that they get this right. I have faith, but I do still, you know, worry about it. In Chapter 8 of Johnny Tremaine, where Johnny has a conversation with Scylla about Rab, and to me it's left ambiguous over who Johnny is actually jealous over. This ambiguity allowed me to read Johnny as pining not not for Scylla, but for Rab. Uh, And I think, Andrea, you said for maybe both. 
If this were a modern text, there are many who would view this as quote-unquote queerbaiting. What are your thoughts on queerbaiting in general media and related to Johnny Tremaine? Well, as I said earlier, if queerbaiting is simply being done as a way to avoid offending some um, segment of the audience, which always translates into losing money, I don't have much truck with that. But in terms of the the specific question in the scene that you mentioned, all fiction is an invitation. It is an invitation for the viewer, the reader, the listener. By the way, we forget there was a golden age of radio. But it is an invitation for the audience to participate in the story. And the degree to which a work of fiction allows a reader, viewer, or listener to do that is the extent to which that work of fiction is appealing. Mm -hmm. So I see Johnny Tremaine's open-ended interpretive possibilities, to get vaguely jargonistic about it, as simply expanding the invitation. And I know you, you have a question a bit later which I'll wait to answer, but it, it has to do with why some people would be uncomfortable with that. So I, I definitely think that that now exists as an invitation for us to see Johnny Tremaine in as many ways as we think possible. An area in Johnny Tremaine and Ted Lasso that I think overlaps is the expectation, that, and to quote from your article, that masculine roles are non-negotiable. Do you think that media surrounding war and sports has solidified these expectations? And if so, would having gay representation in these fields change that expectation? That's a very good thought-provoking question. The quick answer to that is we have made a lot of progress in terms of, I won't say war, I'll say military service. Right. So in the States here, we're beyond we, we've we've eliminated. Don't ask, don't tell. We have done a fair job with now integrating gay, lesbian, non-binary to a lesser extent, transgender individuals in the military. Uh, as Andrea noted earlier, the the last bastion is professional sports. And I would say in comparison with military service, we can think of sports, male sports. And I think that's the key here. I think we can think of that as something where the stakes are both too high and too low. So in the military service, regardless of how homophobic you are, transphobic you are, your life is literally on the line in regard to your fellow soldiers protecting you. Mm -hmm. So you can only be so homophobic or transphobic. In sports, on the one hand, the stakes are too low, right? I mean, no, I, I don't have to get along with the gay shortstop on the baseball team because my life is, had, is not in the balance. Mm -hmm. But the stakes are also high for a couple of reasons. And, and again, this gets back to a point Andrea was making. First, the vast majority of professional sports throughout the world remain, for some reasonable and justifiable 
um, reasons remain sex segregated. So an American baseball or an American football or an American basketball team is one of the last places that men themselves have as a way of expressing their masculinity. Mm -hmm. They don't feel threatened, air quotes, by women. It's also high stakes because unlike the military, right? If, if I'm in the military for four years, I'm not looking at an endorsement deal when I retire, right? Of uh, 50 million euros. But in professional sports, there's that consideration. So the shortest possible way to answer your question is to say, in war, we've done a lot in terms of broadening the representation of who can and cannot be part of that undertaking. In male professional sports, where that's still a goal yet to be achieved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Andrea, you were saying there's a marked difference between women's sports and men's oh, sports yeah. in, that, in that regard. Is that applicable to, to what yeah. you're going to be talking about? Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy that... Um... I don't know why it's, you know, quote unquote, okay for women. So it's, it's much more prevalent in women's sports. And like, I don't, yeah, there's something about it being okay and making air quotes for women. You know, it's, it's sexy for a woman to be, you know, right. Like there's that whole element yeah. of it, which is just ridiculous. You know, I mean, I think it's just, it all falls into gender norms and how people, again, like my whole, my whole thing, I keep saying about putting people in boxes, people need to fit. Everyone needs to fit in this thing this box that has many sides and it has many things. And as a woman, you're not allowed to do these things and that things. And you know what I mean? And it, I just think for men, the, that masculinity, that, that need to be a man mm. is so like, just prevents so much, so many possibilities, so many things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even, even to the two of the main characters who are clearly heterosexual, there's this, this sexual, a little bit of a tension between them. But they're also like appearing as really good friends. Mm. And there is a whole section of the fandom that wants these two people. Like the only thing that can happen is these two people have to end up together at the end of the show. Right. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. just, again, this very stereotypical, you know, like normative stuff. Yeah. That a man and a woman can't just be friends. We can't. It's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. There has to be something more, you know, and I don't know. It's just like gender is just fraught with so many <laughs> It's, it's interesting you say that, though, because it leads directly into the next question, which relates to the Disney movie of Johnny Tremaine, which there seems to be an overcompensation to make Johnny more traditionally yeah. masculine. And they, it does feel like they went out of their way to avoid any sort of other possible reading, meaning that they must have seen something in themselves to react in that way. But what, what I wonder is, why is skill in military and sports directly tied to overt masculinity because you know in, in football there is not, not necessary to be a, an overtly masculine person to be able to kick a ball into a goal so why why do we think that is what, what about yourself Scott yeah again to overgeneralize here um I think all of the things you mentioned want one of the common factors is um the link to violence and at least in U.S. culture, there has been a longstanding cultural link between masculinity and violence. In other words, you show or demonstrate your masculinity if your sex is male 
through aggression and in some cases violence. And of course, war is state approved or state sponsored violence. I think when you think of many sports, not all, but I mean, golf comes to mind, but but when you think of many sports, I mean, they are an approved form of violence that we pay for as entertainment. Mm -hmm. So I do the, you know, I saw that movie when I was a child and thought it was wonderful because Walt Disney could do no wrong. And when I went back and rewatched it when I was writing this paper, it was all I could do to get to get through it. Mm -hmm. It I found it dreadful what they did mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and that's that's the disney machine isn't it yeah <laughs> i think you were only allowed to be gay in a disney movie if you were the villain and you were only sort of coded that way you know like yeah so many villains seem to be what we'd call queer coded that it's it's outrageous how they got they got away with it for oh, so long absolutely in in a th- 101 dalmatians cruella de vil mm-hmm. I mean, want- oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and um Jafar and um, Scar mm-hmm. are the ones that, that stand out, you know, where they were sort of coded that way. So, yeah, Disney Disney has a lot to answer for, shall we yeah. say. <laughs> um, so in your article, Scott, you highlight that Forbes was trying to do a new sort of book for young people and that she was resistant to streaming the prose and juvenilizing the character. So it's fair to say that Forbes placed a trust in younger audiences that was new in its time. Am I reading too much into these comments by thinking that Forbes was intentional in writing Johnny as potentially homosexual or bisexual, or at least giving the readers the option to read him that way? Far be it for me to tell anyone they're reading too much into anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, when when I grappled with this question uh, when I was writing the article, you know, what I ultimately ultimately concluded was that she was not trying to portray Johnny as, and they would have used the word, she would have used the word queer. Mm-hmm. What I think occurred was that she was writing at the very end of a long historical period in American culture. So when I say long, at least a hundred years in which intense emotionally emotionally intimate relationships were considered okay between two boys two adolescent males or even two adult men and Mm -hmm. for for reasons that we don't have time to go into the 1940s and early 1950s in the states was a period in which that would not only come to seem suspect it would appeared to be everything that undermined what it was to be a normal American man. Uh And so I think she very much wanted readers to see Johnny and Rab as sharing very close emotional intimacy Uh in the way that a lot of adolescent boys had and were sharing at the time but was soon going to disappear. And it has not, by the way, ever returned. Wow. Wow. How do you think that applies to Isaac and Colin, Andrea? Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to see that sort of brought up with Isaac and like regenerated, re-brought back in to show that, you know, regardless of sexuality as well? Yeah. 
and it is gender specific, right? We mm -hmm. permit to their great benefit women to have close, emotional, non-physically intimate relationships with other women. We do not permit that of men. And the mental health costs are enormous. Yes. Yeah. I'm really hoping that that is something that the storyline crosses over with the, the sort of investigation into mental health in men, specifically in yeah. sports, and sort of um, straight homosexual friendships between men as well, which is, I think, why I would probably prefer if Isaac was just an ally to yes. show that, you know, because I think there is a, a sort of stigma about, especially, you know, locker room sort of thing, having a gay man in the locker room and, oh, my God, like, these whole horrible drop-the-soap jokes that that's, that's still even occurred early in the fandom with Ted Lasso as a sort of... It was really, really uncomfortable. So I think that would be excellent to see if Ted Lasso itself could be the one to, to show that. Yeah. And that it's okay that he, that Colin likes him a little bit, right? Like, that Colin is attracted to Isaac. Well, who wouldn't be? Right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who, yeah. yeah. Who is it? It's Isaac. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's Isaac. You, get this, you know, it's fair enough. I mean, I think it even happens again, like in, in you know, hetero, heteronormative relationships with, like, as soon as you're married, no one else is attractive to you anymore. Mm. Right. As soon as, yeah. as soon as you're in a relationship, no one can be attractive to you anymore. It's like, well, no, people, you can look at someone and say, oh, wow, look at that guy or look at that girl. Mm -hmm. Right. Like. It I do that with my husband. Right. We watched something and it was one of these, you know, Puritan sort of, if you are looking at other people on Instagram with, you know, love heart eyes, that's cheating. And I was like, God, I hope it isn't because um, I've done it a few times. Right. And he's like, no, that's not cheating. You know, you, you can't switch that off when you're no. married. But if you have a healthy enough relationship, then you can enjoy those things either together or separately. So yeah, yeah. I, I get exactly what you're saying there. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Yeah. And, and, and their relationship can take it. I think like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like Isaac and Colin very much have that same relationship that Rab and, and Johnny do. Like there's a, there's respect there and there's understanding and there's, you know, care for each other. And Isaac has that self-assurance of his own Self, sense of self that, that Rab does in my Rab opinion does, yes. um, yeah. to the fact that it won't bother him what anybody else thinks you know and I think Rab would be exact well, was exactly the same so that would that would be really interesting when Johnny spoke of Lavinia Light and Scylla Lapham it sometimes felt as if he was seeing what he felt he should see but not really feeling it and this made me think I may be projecting some of my own experiences onto Johnny so <laughs> How much of queer theory is theorized through one's own experience? Yeah, that connects back to uh, something I said earlier. Um, and I'll, I'll get to it this time by simply saying, you know, queer theory is simply, simply means a different way of interpreting something, whether it's a movie, a book, a podcast, interpreting it either differently than the author intended or differently than the majority of people do. So to say that in the question you're posing, am I, you know, am I forcing a queer theory interpretation on that scene or and that part of the story arc, you know, I would say that the text is inviting you, again, to use a word I used before, it's inviting you 
to think about that possibility as you try to enter the story yourself. It is natural for us, if we like the characters or we want to get engaged with, for example, Ted Lasso, that we find as many entry points as possible. Mm. Now, I'm not going to wait five years to find that entry point. Mm. But in a novel like Johnny Tremaine, I remember it was like page 70 or 80. I was reading on a plane and I came to this one section and I looked up and said out loud at the risk of having the air marshal tackle me. I said, oh, my God, Johnny Tremaine is gay. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, so that entry point came early on. And I think we look for, and rightly so, those opportunities. If we can't find them, then, you know, I mean, it, it, if there's a show or a book called, you know, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, uh, you know, as a gay adult man, uh, there's not much of a possibility that I've got a, a yeah. way to participate in that story. <laughs> That's interesting because I think the moment you had on the plane I had in our group chat at one point um, was just like, oh, yeah, Johnny's gay. That That's, you know, that's just that. I, I struggled to read it any other way, but, you know, it's interesting yeah. to see um, other people's opinions on it. And I love yeah. I love the plane reaction. That's I had the same. I mean, not on a, like I didn't say it out loud, but I was reading. I was like, oh, he's gay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I was speaking to one of my current students just yesterday. I was talking about this interview and she's, I think all of 20 years old. And she said, Oh yeah. In high school, I hung out with the theater crowd. They all knew Johnny was gay. <laughs> it was like for her, you know, like, well, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a theater kid myself, I would say we did have the best sort of in combined gaydar for the whole school. So <laughs> if, if you want to know the theater kids are the ones to ask, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so now we get into probably the bit that's a bit more of a downer, unfortunately. And um, I think there's a similarity between Fielder's reaction to queer reading of the friendship between boys as, quote, infantile and inverted, and certain areas of the fandom who take instant offence to anyone who reads a character as gay, bi or trans. Why do you think some people are so hostile to queer readings of media and do you think this is reversible with proper re representation? So I'll, I'll I'll continue to borrow from Andrea's insights here. Um, I, I think first and foremost, the reason for some of that hostility is they're going to be hostile against LGBTQ plus regardless, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. But I think another reason for that hostility is because now to use an antonym of one of the words I've been using, they see it as a disinvitation for their participation in the story. And if we think about, uh, Andrea's made a good point a couple of times, which has to do with people wanting to put characters or real people in boxes. And, and actually, there's been a little brain research done on this. And what we find is that there are some people and they align more often than not with individuals who uh, identify as political conservatives, but they're very uncomfortable in a world in which things are not black and white, good and evil, 
male and female, they, they actually become uncomfortable in situations where that's not the way things are laid out. Mm-hmm. So for them, Johnny Tremaine cannot be both attracted to Rab and attracted to Scylla. Mm-hmm. In the case of Ted Lasso, a player cannot be attracted to men and attracted to women, you know, to use the more conventional term, bisexual, mm-hmm. because that means they don't fit in one box. That screws up my whole view of the world as being either or. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's at the heart of that. And that's annoying because they have, what, 10 other players, you know, like if we get one yeah. gay or bisexual, pansexual man out of, of out of eleven players, and they'll lose their collective shit over it, it's it's quite annoying. <laughs> well, and when you when you think about the fact that there's a high correlation between those people losing their shit over a fictional TV character and losing their shit over real people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's no. the worrying factor of it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it is. Um, that's the bummer question because those people exist and they're very quick to jump on on any sort of different reading to a character. And I think I, I, I myself have ADHD and we we tend to attract each other in groups. And you know, if we're I read one of the characters in Ted Lasso is having ADHD, and that actually garnered a lot of people who also kind of pushed back. And I think you're saying for the, the same reason that it's not, you know, it's not an example of somebody who is at one end of the spectrum and the other it ha- you know you can't be in the middle or you can't be slightly different from everybody else so that's really quite impactful it reminds me a little bit of like this is a little bit of a segue but hopefully it makes sense to you both oh, well I was reading about um why romance novels are so popular with some people and it was that the characters oftentimes are so general and so vague uh-huh. that the, the a woman reading it sees herself as that person. I see. Like, right? Like, they're not, like, fully fleshed out people. Yeah. And that was really interesting, right? So then it, then it, it can work for a huge swath of people because mm-hmm. there's everyone seeing themselves in these characters. And that's interesting that, like, somehow we don't want that possibility for everyone. Right. Like we don't want that possibility for everyone. We just want, well, I want to identify with this. I want to see these two people together. I don't want that person. And it's like, well, yeah, I don't know. It's just very strange about the way that way we react to fictional characters. I don't know. I'd love to know why they think they deserve that, that experience, but other people who identify differently don't, you know, it's, it's really, it can be really upsetting, but you've just kind of got to either ignore those people or educate them. And the second one, unfortunately, is, a little bit time consuming. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I enjoy my life too much for that. Yeah. <laughs> but lately, and we did discuss this earlier, lately there have been more male sports players coming out as gay and bi and um, sharing their struggles with existing and traditionally masculine spaces. And you state in your paper that representation can be a personally subversive act when it serves to validate the identities of readers who are at odds with themselves, which I love. That's a beautiful beautiful quote can you elaborate in your opinion that more representation representation can quote be especially important for those who feel maligned by society and do you believe that this could apply to sports in the same way that it does in other areas 
I do. And I, I think, Mikaela, you gave a very good example. You, you said a, a moment ago, you self-identified as having ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, when you said that, you provided, even though this is a podcast, I'll use the word visibility. Mm-hmm. You n- became visible to other people who might have otherwise thought they were invisible. Mm. Visibility provides affirmation and validation. And I think that is absolutely critical in professional male sports. Because right now, you can Google those terms, and it takes more than two hands to count the number of out gay male professional athletes around the world, but not, you know, we we could have a room of five people and we wouldn't use all of our hands. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just think it is so important for someone who is out there, some 22, 23 year old male or female or non-binary professional athlete who spends part of each day in terror that they will be found out. I think that it is critical for that person, for those people, to see themselves in some aspect of what gives them joy. Because even if that doesn't prompt them to come out, it gives them the courage and the ability to face that fear for one more day. Mm -hmm. And so... I, 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 you know, I, I think it is absolutely paramount that we support and affirm those athletes, again, male, female, non-binary, professional athletes, who come out in ways that risk a lot for them, that, but have a huge benefit for countless other individuals. That's a, yeah, that's a fantastic answer. Yeah. Andrea, well, do you that- have anything that you want to add to that? which is well said yeah yeah completely think and I really hope that's what Ted Lasso's intention is because wouldn't this be embarrassing if (laughs) we did a whole podcast and spoke many other podcasts about it and it didn't happen but I think we'll have a bigger problem on our hands if it doesn't happen we're going to have an uprising yeah I think for Colin but yeah um I think it can be Easy to think, oh, we need more representation to, you know, make the, the straights comfortable. But to me, what you just said there about giving somebody the strength to see in themselves that, that there's nothing that they, they should be ashamed of and to go on even for one more day. And and yeah. hopefully that's a Indiana Jones ball, you know, that sort of just gathers steam and and keeps going um scott i want to thank you so much for being so open to discuss your article in such a niche environment because we are a bit of a niche um podcast a niche within a niche within a niche yeah uh, that's it and you know one of us will will say uh, funnily enough the biochemist uh, marita is the one who usually dives into literature and who actually passed your paper on to me and and she will always say she's the biggest nerd of the group but you know there's there's four nerds there she's just the biggest one so so I do really appreciate this and if you do watch Ted Lasso I would love to get a follow-up on your thoughts I I think I'm going to start doing that tonight and I'm not just saying that this has been an absolute delight spending some time with both of you I will never accuse you of being a niche 
Um, <laughs> isn't that what you eat on Sunday mornings that has egg and broccoli? No, that's a quiche. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the gay man in me trying to, to make brunch. everyone quiche. Yeah, yeah. let's anyway. make it brunch. I, I uh, wish the best to your listeners and to everyone who enjoys Ted Lasso and all the other shows that that can give us hope and inspiration. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Follow us on Twitter at Beards Book Club or send us an email at coachbeardsbookclub at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends and family and leave a five-star review.